In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. This week, I have, like, kind of a two-part question. And the first part of the question is, do you remember in Waiting for Guffman the, <laughs> the song that was about Mars, where, like, the Martians yeah. land? And do you want to mm-hmm. sing a little snippet of it? Uh, I think it goes, nothing ever happened on Mars. Yes. Something like that. Correct. <laughs> and then... I don't remember the rest. And then there's like, at the very end of the song, it's like, boring, boring, yes. boring. <laughs> um, so that's, okay, part one, great. You, you, you nailed that. <laughs> well done. I'm so glad that we both actively recall Waiting for Guffman, a Chris... Fabulous movie. Wait, now I'm forgetting the name of the guy who wrote and directed. Um, now you made me forget it. Um, what's his butt? Now I want to say Christopher Maloney, but he's no, SVU. not Christopher um, Maloney. Um, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. Thank you. A 1996 yeah. Christopher Guest deep cut. Um, we start oh, with that. Such now, a good one. Now <laughs> the follow up to that is more to do with this uh, show we watched for this week. Okay. Because, again, this seems to feature people who are identifying as Martians. And yeah. from what they describe, or like what we can infer about their culture, it sounds kind of boring. Yeah. Well, they don't... I feel like they don't... From my watching, which could have been um, not detail oriented, really, uh, I don't remember them. You say? That, <laughs> wow, I'm so surprised. I don't know if that's new information for you or not, but um, I I didn't remember them saying a whole heck of a lot about about Mars itself. It was more just every single thing on Earth kind of shocked them, right. and like every. So it's almost like they don't have a lot of. I guess just by process of elimination, they don't have a lot of stuff going on in Mars, I guess, because they don't know what kissing is. They don't know what coffee, uh, coffee is. They they don't know what murder. cigarettes are. Um, you, They don't know what murder. I mean, that part sounds kind of nice. But, like, um, and I also, well, it goes a little bit different than, anyway. Yeah, they it does, by process of elimination, sound like it's boring, but I don't recall if they, like, talk about, 
day-to-day on Mars. Well, we don't know precisely, like, how they would spend their time in this, like, far-off land or whatever. But, like, it seems like, and again... It seems like it would be boring. Just, I'm like... Because also, like, the other thing is, like, I guess the, the part two of the question is, like, why do you think that any alien would be interested in Earth and, and like, to study it's not as boring. Earth? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess the thing is, is that it's not as boring. Um, well, because if you think about, like, the portrayal of another planet from Earth, what we what we get, which is really only sci-fi movies, what are they doing? They're living in, like, open space on a rock. <laughs> and they're just, like, from what we can see, they just, like, walk around sometimes. I mean, yeah, it, I guess it depends on the depiction, but, like... I, get, well, <laughs> I don't know what I'm picturing in my head, but I'm just picturing, like, Martians just, like, walking around, and that's I about think, it. I do think that there does seem to be... An obsession maybe is too strong a word, but like people who create science fiction realms and lands and worlds do seem yeah. that are peopled by not human beings. Like if it's a yeah. if it's a vision of like where there aren't aliens or only just more and more humans, this is different. But like whenever there's an attempt to kind of capture some sort of alien world or culture. Quite mm-hmm. often, they are depicted as, compared to us, emotionless. Like, yes, very that's true. serene, very, well, and very, like, of very, the like, mind. Um, yes, yes. I was going to say cerebral or something. Yeah. Um, you know, even witnessed by in this show and I know we'll talk about it, but, like, their identification cards are, like, a math equation. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, like, so there's not – yeah, the emotion thing, that – I guess that is one of the depictions. But, again, that's a depiction from human perspective. Right. And I think it maybe certainly says more about the creators than it does – uh, anything else because we might imagine yeah. a science fiction creator as a person who maybe struggles with dealing with the emotions of other people and would <laughs> maybe identify as being on the spectrum to some degree. And so, like, what a, <laughs> what a world where those don't matter, you know, like where that's, like, that's not interesting. there to worry about. And then you can just be in this... <gasps> culture of ideas or like land of um wow oh that's so interesting that's sort of that's sort of an interesting question for neuro neurodivergent people in general would you feel more comfortable in a world like mars we don't <laughs> where know. social cues and social interactions aren't necessarily the forefront of a successful life because the fundamental premise of this episode basically is that the Martian can't understand the randomness of the human emotions. Like, and so... And that's fair. I mean, yeah. I... Th- and I'm sure that some neurodivergent people would say the same. You know, um, that's uh, why they have to... I feel That's strongly. why they have to, like, learn how to take cues and stuff. Because to them, that's like, this makes It doesn't no sense. seem automatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so hello, listeners. I didn't expect we would get to neurodivergence today, but here we are. <laughs> hello, listeners. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And it's see you next week in space time. So uh, not space time, though. No, that's I mean, we're not talking about the space time <laughs> continuum. Um, although I guess we are a bit later on. Um, we could. Uh, this episode does have to do with that a bit. So Amy, why don't you tell our listeners what we're talking about today? Uh, we're talking about a show called The Outer Limits that ran from 1963 to 1965. The specific episode that we watched is called Controlled Experiment, which was season one, episode 16. That originally aired on January 13th, 1964. Indeed. So um, The Outer Limits is uh, considered to be one of like the kind of quintessential foundational science fiction TV series. Um, and in fact, there was a kind of reboot of it in the 90s uh, that we may, oh, really? we may check out an episode of that at some point. Um, hmm. But uh, as you'll see here in my notes, Amy, this came out kind of alongside the Twilight Zone. Um, it had very much Twilight Zone vibes for to sure. Me. And in fact, like some of the most famous episodes of this TV series, The Outer Limits, are often mistaken. Like when people remember back, they think it's a Twilight Zone oh. episode. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of why I liked it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's. So- it's- it's very, well, and also, we've talked about this before, you and I like a black and white thing, so something about that, too, I just, like, find pleasant. Or like, I mean, it can be hit or miss for me. Yeah. Like, it's, there are plenty of black and white things that are not my jam. Milieu. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is that the right word? I don't yeah. know. Anyway. Um, but this one, because it's, like, there was murder involved, it's, like, mystery-ish, and yeah. the whole, like... I did actually think, we'll talk about it, but I did actually think some of the the, the guys' one-liners about humans were quite funny. Yeah. Um, but the difference, I guess, between the Twilight Zone and this uh, series, The Outer Limits, is that The Outer Limits was much more unabashedly about science fiction, whereas The Twilight Zone also mm-hmm. did quite a lot of, like, supernatural or just kind of, like, yeah, uh, kind of out there... Just like whatever your dead grandma's on the phone. Your dead grandma's on the phone. Imagine a world where everyone (laughs) looks like a pig face person. You know, like all the classics. Right. Um, Right. So this particular show, this specific episode, controlled experiment, is considered even one of it's one of the more famous ones of this series. That makes sense. I didn't know when I chose it because I was like, oh, that just sounds fun because it's like a murder mystery. Yeah. So I picked it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, this is considered to be the only comedic episode ever made <clears throat> of the really? Limits. Yes. I actually did really like have some like for real like chuckles. Yeah. Well, because um, we'll talk about him. Demos is actually a very good comedic actor. Um, okay. And in fact, what this also didn't surprise me. I guess what happened is that this particular episode was initially envisioned as a pilot for its own TV series where it was I guess going to follow these hmm. two Martians doing stuff around 
uh, <laughs> Earth, I suppose. Um, uh-huh. And then it turned into Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, thirty I mean, years later, uh, it never came to fruition. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> oh. um, but you know the the episode had been shot, so it got kind of like incorporated into thrown in the outer limits. Mm, interesting. Um, in terms of the show as like kind of what it did for TV and for science fiction, um, one of the main ways we see this having kind of a particular impact on science fiction to come is that a lot of the actors who will go on to be cast in Star Trek, the original series, a few years later, are featured in episodes of this Uh. show. So Leonard Nimoy appeared in two Outer Limits episodes. Um, Hmm. William Shatner appeared in an episode. Um, And in fact... The episode that we watched featured um, actress Grace Lee Whitney, um, who was a series regular on Star Trek. Uh, the she's a blonde series. lady, I assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then there's also uh, James Doohan, uh, who played Scotty in Star Trek. So um, hmm. quite a lot of those actors appear throughout this uh, series. Um, And I guess in part that's because Gene Roddenberry was already kind of hanging around uh, the the studios that were producing The Outer Limits, and he also Mm. hired some of the staff once The Outer Limits concluded for Star Trek. So um, this is a pretty big impact onto kind of the wider realm of science fiction TV, for sure. Um, Hmm. And then in terms of, now we can talk a bit about the cast. Um, And we may as well start with um, Grace Lee Whitney, who was 34 when she played a character named Carla Duveen, according to IMDb, Um, (laughs) which I knew her name was Carla because they make a mention of that. But beyond that, I didn't know anyone's name in this. No, me Um, neither. She started out as a singer um, when she was young, and in fact, I guess at various times, opened for the likes of people like Billie Holiday. Um, So cute. In uh, Star Trek, she plays human Janice Rand, um, and does that on the original series, in a number of different Star Trek films, and in Voyager, she plays Commander Janice Rand. Um, Hmm. so she's all over the Star Trek world for sure. And it sounds like from her bio, she, before she died, she went to a lot of the conventions and stuff like that. Um, she also had small parts in Some Like It Hot and Bewitched at various times. Oh, I could picture her on Bewitched. I, I was like, oh, I wonder if I've seen her. And like, I know I did watch quite a lot of Bewitched at one time in my life, so I may have seen her in an episode of that. It used to be on, like... Nick at Night. I recall it. Yes, but also, like, in the mornings. I feel like if mm. you were ever, like, home from school, it had, like, a run in the mornings, yeah, too. I thought, yeah, I think you're right. That and I Dream of Jeannie also seem to, like, yeah, be in the daytime. Yeah, usually back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back up the list, the first Martian known as Phobos, again, didn't know his name. Um, Me neither. Is played by a 46-year-old Barry Morse, um, who was born in London, 
uh, but then eventually moved to Canada. Um, and then from there, so he was, from what I could tell, like his credits seemed to be both happening in Canada and the U S after a certain point mm. in his career. Um, he's now, the one with glasses. He is the kind of um, mean one who's Older. newly arrived from Mars. Oh, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, you think he's mean? Well, he starts out kind of mean. I guess so. He's he's very anti-human. He keeps saying how we smell bad. Oh, I know, but that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> and that's also a trope in science fiction is alien races saying that humans smell. So that's just a thing. But, like, we do. We do. Uh, like, uh, I feel that way about humans sometimes, and I'm a human. So I know I liked all that. I liked all the stuff he was saying about humans because yeah. it was pretty accurate. Um, so we would – we didn't see his episode, but we have watched another science fiction show in which he was a series regular called Space 1999. We watched an episode of that long ago. Um, no recollection of it. That's the one where it was the lady kept turning into a monster, and it was, like, from the oh. 70s. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, okay. so he's in that. Okay. Um, okay. And he, unsurprisingly, he also appeared in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Um, he oh, yeah. probably was most known for playing Lieutenant Philip Gerard in the um, TV show The Fugitive over the 60s and hmm. 70s. That's probably... If, if someone recognized him, that would probably be really where it's from. Um, okay. And then finally, this is more just for you. He was in a movie called Welcome to Blood City. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, that sounds good. And it also reminds me, is it that is it Loretta Lynn whose songs like Let Me Take You Down to Fist City? You know that song? Whoa. No, but that also sounds really dirty. <laughs> well, no, it is. It's not that. I mean, it is... <laughs> About Fist uh, City? Yeah, because like oh, let me see. I need to Oh god, oh, here we go. I always Wait. enjoy seeing yeah, it is Loretta Lynn and it's called Fist City. Um What I, does that refer to? Because it's about how like getting in a fight? Getting in a fight with another woman because she's been looking at your man. Okay, that sounds very like a country music, country song. Okay, yeah, and if that, you I do, guess, I guess, you absolutely. I guess my brain, I guess my brain is just disgusting. Yes, clearly, because <laughs> um, no, you should listen to it once you you get off this. Um, because like the that sounds funny now that I know what it's in reference to. That um, is funny. and then because like um, the chorus is like um, or like leading up to it, it's like um. And he won't cat around with a kitty. I'm here to tell you, gal, to lay off of my man if you don't want to go to Fist City. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And and the only reason I'm not singing it is because I'm not familiar enough with this song to remember the tune of it. You know what I'm picturing, though? The tune in my head is... Because I don't know it. This tune that's coming to my head is a song that's like, take me down to Paradise City. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's the tune that's in my head. With <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, because it's like, um, it's more like, I'm here to tell you, get out, lay off my man. If you don't want to go to Fist City. It's like that. 
I know that last one is like, if you don't want to go. I love that this has become a musical episode. I know. Well, because we did fringe musical episodes, so now we're just doing our own (laughs) musical episode. Anyway, welcome to Blood City. Maybe we'll need to see it someday. Um, Yeah. The other Martian, the one who I guess you also found funny, who was wearing glasses, the character's name is Demos. There's not really any reason you would have ever caught that from anything. Um, and this is played by a... That was Carol O'Connor? Correct. Well, I only just read it. It's not like I got that right. But wait, Carol O'Connor, like the the guy who is the lead in All in the Family? Correct. Archie Bunker. Whoa. Archie Bunker. That's what it is. Wait. I knew I recognized him. Yeah. I did not place that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't know about you, but I certainly don't think I've even seen an episode of All in the Family. Not a Because it was before episode. our time. A- I mean, I've seen, yeah, yeah clips. Just, I know I could picture yeah, what it clips. looks like. But. Yeah, and I can picture the, like, even from, like, I think I can picture clips even from <clears throat> other movies. Like, because I can picture the lady and how she talks. Because mm. she, like, the his wife had a very distinct voice. Yeah, like, like the long-suffering wife. Well, she was like, you know, Arthur. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like she was like. <laughs> no, but she's a famous lady, too, and I forget her name. Like, yeah. You would recognize her, too, I think. Probably. Um, oh, wow. I did not realize this was him. Yes. An, an early role. Because, I mean, he's 40 in this, though. So that also goes to one of the running themes we notice in this show is, like, life doesn't end at 40 if you're an actor. You may be still years uh, or away. Or you're a Martian. They're 200 or, years old. Well, right. They are 200 plus. Both of them are over 200. <laughs> um, yeah. But I thought this was interesting that he actually moved to Ireland to study theater. Like, he's American, but he spent time in Ireland studying theater. Um, well, also it's funny to me that he's, like, sort of classically trained when I think about it. Because, correct, yeah. I don't know why. Because when I think, when you think, like, Archie Bunker, like... I know it's like an iconic role, but it's also it's like, super broad, like lowbrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea that well, and that's you even see that in this movie that when um, the two of, when Phobos and Demos are talking to each other, they have kind of like you know whatever we might call like normal voice uh, or like maybe vaguely educated sounding, but when um, he's because he owns because Demos owns the pawn shop. And when a human comes right. in to sell something in the pawn shop, like, it, I don't know if this was supposed to be in old-timey New York, but that's kind of, like, the vibe I got from it. Cause, like he was doing a voice? Yeah, because when he d- he's like, hey, Mac, how you know, like, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but, yes, he's in All in the Family. There were also, there was at least one spinoff show of All in the Family with him still as Archie Bunker. I know that also um, Maud, I think, was a spinoff of All in the Family, too. So, um, he, yeah, like one of the most kind of big deal TV actors from the United States in the past 50 years is in this show. Um, he was that also... so interesting. Yeah, he was also in a long-running crime procedural called In the Heat of the Night as well that was after hmm. all in the family which i never watched archie bunker's place i think is the... yes that's one of the spinoffs um mm. and then finally there's a character named bert hamill which again i don't think is ever mentioned 
um, played by a 38-year-old Robert Fortier or Fortier. Um, he really wasn't in much, though he did appear in an episode of Star Trek at some point, um, and he was like an uncredited extra in Singing in the Rain. Um, and then his IMDb... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, his IMDb bio says he was a dancer, actor, boat builder, sailor, and a commercial fisherman. So that's cool. IMDb is so weird. Like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like there's so many times when you mention somebody's IMDb bio that sounds like fake. The most random person must have written it, or like yeah. the person themselves. Yes, like just with the most specifically weird information. Like because yeah. act dancer actor obviously like yeah he's in he he's in for. TV yeah that makes boat sense. builder boat builder is very weird and I also feel like that's not the proper term but what do I know um, that's very funny but I did just look up all in the family really quick because I knew that. The wife was famous, and the wife was Jean Stapleton. What's she from? Oh, what? She's the wife and all in the family. Well, right. I yes, she's, I know that. But like, is that she, her well, main? She's done thing? a lot of stuff. No. Okay. Um, she was in lots of theater. Okay, um, that's why you know her. Okay. Mary Tyler Moore. Wait. What was she um, Mary Tyler Moore? I don't know. I mean, Maybe yeah, I, I totally know. know this woman's no, no, face. No, 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 no. It's no, 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 no. I lied. I lied. I just was reading like highlights. Stapleton bested both Mary Tyler Moore and Marlo Thomas for best actress in comedy. So it was oh. for, she won for an Emmy for All in the Family. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I no, totally a- recognize her. Like, I just can't think of like where I would have known her most from because it's definitely not All in the Family. Yeah. I know that. Like. No, um, I I don't really even know what I know her most from, but it's like, um, the Patty Duke show. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Okay, I mean, the I did Muppet watch show? that. No, I, I don't know. This fairy tale theater. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That's what I know her most yeah. from. Um, I think she played the one of the giants. Anyway. Oh, okay. All right. Well. We're in anyway. amongst TV royalty today. Um, <laughs> in terms of the show itself, uh, this was interesting because I'm not sure that I've seen a cold open in a show this old before. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting that, although I'm like I don't think they invented it, but I was surprised that that was a thing. So I didn't even really know what it was. I actually thought it was like a. Um I thought it was almost like a preview or or which it kind of was, but I think I thought that it was actually a like what happened last time. Okay. Yeah. I was sort of confused. Yeah. No, I was like, "Oh, this is a cold open that we're starting like in Medias Res, you know." And so mm. I was like, "That's interesting. I didn't expect this to be the technique of what we were doing." Um And basically what we see in this moment is that there are two men watching um, a shooting take place, um, but they're fussing around with it quite a lot. Like, and it's going fast and like, it's got like, the people are moving so fast, they're doing like chipmunk voice sounds basically. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I think, I can't remember, it might be Carol O'Connor says like, it's going to blow and that's where we go into the credits 
Um, the credits I learned as well in my looking around, um, they're, they're quite iconic, um, and evocative, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's like kind of those weird, like wavelengths and stuff and akin to how the twilight zone has a bit of a a voiceover. This also has an opening VO. Um, do you want to read that? I included it in the, uh, outline. Do you want to read some of that opening voiceover? Yeah, I actually, I actually like this. I thought this was pretty cute. Um, it goes, there is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. Yeah, it's a great setup. I, I also liked, yeah, I liked it, it as well. It, um, was very, it, it felt very 60s to me. I mean, like... Yeah, because it does have that. But in a good way. It Well, first of all, the f- ways it's talking about manipulating your television set are when you had a TV yeah. set that was like 75 pounds and like gigantic. And, and things so. really could go wrong and start like, you know, uh, what, what, <laughs> this is, wow, I feel like I'm so out of touch now. But like static, static really and various happen. other weird yeah. stuff could happen for sure. Um, yeah. And it is also getting... Do kids today even know what, like, TV static is? I mean, technically, you can it, like, run across exist. it. You can run across it if you haven't set up your Chromecast yet and you haven't set up cable and the TV is just, like, kind of... But Can actually, you, no, I think I usually like, most smart TVs will default to... I feel like it's just, like, a black to, screen. Yeah, they'll screen default to... A, in, like, a nothing. Or they'll default to, like, if they've got that bank of images in yeah. them, they'll default to that. right. Um, right. But there might be a brief second of static, but no, generally Maybe. you're not going to run across <laughs> it. Um, but also, because um, it's not just static, it's also those like weird bars, like when the picture would get like kind of wonky, you know, like all that too. Um, like a jumbled, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I also like what, what I like about this opening thing is it's a bit like kind of 60s-ish in the way that the later 60s will become where it's like you're going into your inner mind to get to the outer limits. You know, like it's kind of like weirdly <laughs> like let's mess with our consciousness kind of thing yeah. um, and push the limits of reality. So that's where we begin. Um, and then when we return from the credits, we are in a very hokey looking image of space with a very hokey looking spaceship kind of like plodding along and then we transition to a cityscape with an additional voiceover um so much voiceover i mean because that because that first voiceover is just the credits this is like the setup just the credits right um again and again the twilight zone had the exact same thing where like the twilight zone credits are talking and then we come to the show and it's rod serling saying like doing the setup um right and I, I will read this one. So it's because it is okay. quite, I, I like this too, because it's like so dramatic. It's like, who hasn't seen the dark corners of great cities? 
where small and shabby creatures wander without purpose in the secret corners of the night. Without purpose, there are those whose purpose reaches far beyond our wildest dreams. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, that's twelve. It, it is exactly like. <laughs> um, but I do. I mean, something about it. It's like small and shabby creatures without purpose. I'm like, says you, buddy. Come on, I'm fine. Well, this, like, well, but that's ex- well, no, but that's like the funny part of the show. I didn't maybe didn't really catch on to that view, but like this, that is. I feel like that's another sort of trope in, um, you know, Alien Comes to Earth is like thinking that humans are crap. Yes. And and, yes. Sm- and that we're small, like, shabby creatures. Right. Like totally um, inconsequential, very concerned with yeah. things that aren't terribly important. Um, yeah. And, and that is the vibe that we get here because when we – end up where we go the interior that we finally end up in is a pawn shop in some city somewhere presumably in the United States um Mm -hmm. and like I said the skyline kind of made me think New York but they don't specify that the vibe Um, felt New Yorkish even though I know they're never like really outside but I don't know why I was yeah it's not like they don't have crappy hotels and pawn shops in literally every city in America. That's true. Um, and night falls everywhere. So, you know. That's true. Um, nonetheless. I guess I sort of just assume like every city is always <laughs> unless I'm told otherwise. Um, and certainly in when it comes to American film and television, typically nine yeah. times out of ten, it's either New York or California for anything. So, yeah. you know, just do that. Um when we arrive into the pawn shop, we see that um, Carol O'Connor, known as Demos, is sitting in his little like window, doing like waiting around, and then mm-hmm. the inspector Phobos uh, arrives from outside. Um, so, it, just for clarity's sake, Carol O'Connor keeps being referred to as a caretaker, and he's Mm -hmm. his shop is considered an outpost so he's a caretaker at this outpost on earth he's been placed there by like what i guess is eventually going to be called like the control like martian control that they talk about central control so that's why he's there and phobos has come to basically run an experiment um and i don't know if you were already laughing at this because i it did like immediately they were kind of into jokes because yeah because Carol O'Connor is like how was the trip and Phobos is like terrible eleven microseconds and yeah then Carol O'Connor is like oh well when I got here the trip was a minute long <laughs> and he said and I think he said it took a whole minute I think he yeah. said it quite like that yeah he was yeah like, it yeah. took a whole minute. And so, and yeah, I also, I, I did, I was, that was, I was already chuckling. I was like, that's pretty funny. And that's a good bit. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, even Martians tech, like transport technology improves, you know? So now he had 11 microseconds <laughs> and, he, and Phobos was kind of, kind of complaining. He's like, it's supposed to be instantaneous. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I think that seems pretty instantaneous to me. Um, well, but nonetheless, um, well, you're a shabby creature, so it's you don't know true. that. Then. I could barely probably, <laughs> t- you know what? I'm such a horrible, hulking, smelly mass of humanity 
that I probably wouldn't even notice that it was 11 microseconds. I might think that's actually instantaneous. I might perceive that yes. as being instantaneous. I, I think your tiny little brain would. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> now, this is, again, where, as you said, they share their credentials with each other, like their ID cards or something. Mm-hmm. And each one has, like, very complex... Uh, equations or what appear to be equations on it Um, Mm -hmm. and like so Carol O'Connor's card shows that he is somehow beneath Phobos in whatever hierarchy exists in their culture Um, but he has been he has been on earth longer obviously Um, then we learn that Phobos has Arrived on Earth. Oh yeah, I for, I forgot to say they're both in the context of identifying themselves. They say they're both over two hundred years old, so that's right something as well. Um, then Phobos tells uh, Demos that he is at, on Earth to run an experiment, um, and specifically he's brought what he refers to as a time squeezer. Um. <laughs> to run such an experiment. And what is the experiment meant to investigate? Uh, I forget how he words it, but basically he's there to investigate the phenomenon of murder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's there to investigate murder and to clarify... He's not interested in, like, solving a mystery of, like, who killed whom, as we will see quite shortly, because that's quite obvious. What he wants to find out is why do humans murder each other? Um, Like, what is the reason? Good dang luck. (laughs) I know. I mean, but we could answer that question. Love, money, revenge. Like, these are the main reasons. Um, I watch a lot of murder shows, and I got to tell you, like, it seems pointless a lot of time. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, I guess I should also add war. War is another context in which people kill each other. Yeah. Um, but, like, when it's interpersonal, yeah. love, money, revenge tend to be the fundamental reasons someone yes. is going to kill yes. someone. Um, or maybe I should also add mental illness to that list. Um, True. <laughs> so these are the Probably reasons. in the 60s, they weren't quite aware of that. But. No, these are the reasons. But as we'll see, and this goes back to what I was asking at the top, it does seem like the these Martians really don't understand emotions. Um, and so yeah. these emotional reasons for killing someone from Phobos's position aren't real reasons. Like... He's like, that's not, no, this is too random. This is irrational. There has to be a reason. So um, that's what he's here to do. And I also liked that he says, like, part of the reason this needs to be done is because Earth is the only place where murder happens in the galaxy. And Mm -hmm. what he wants to be sure of is that this isn't contagious, that this won't spread <laughs> to other parts of the galaxy. Um, I'm afraid it might just be, though. I, I'm i not convinced that this is unique to humanity, but um, who's yeah. to say? Um, now, unfortunately, 
a human shows up trying to do business because this is also a pawn shop and, you know, we're all desperate, shabby creatures, so he needs money. <laughs> so um, Phobos decides he's going to hide behind some coats so he can observe uh, this interaction and learn a bit more about humans because he has not interacted or been around humans as yet. Um, and so then this rather... um brief interaction uh, between Demos and this guy occur. It's not really relevant, um, but basically what ends up happening is that Phobos like rushes Demos through the deal. So he ends up overpaying for whatever item the human brought in, the human leaves. And Carol O'Connor, AKA Demos is like, why did you, like I way overpaid for that thing. That was, that's actually quite unusual. And like, this human will think that's strange. And Phobos is like, I couldn't stand the smell anymore. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and again, as I said, this is something that is regularly used in science fiction, the kind of contention that humans are uniquely smelly um, compared <laughs> to other alien races. Um, but then as well, well... again, we are just, like, meat sacks. We are meat like, sacks evolved from <laughs> apes. So I don't... Yeah. I'm not shocked by this. And I'm saying this even as, because it's summer here now in Australia, have you ever... You're saying this as you stink right now? Well, I've noticed, and maybe this is just, like, a weird <laughs> thing I'm going through. When I wake up, I smell. And I, like... I'm like, how is this possible? Yuck. I've been asleep. I haven't been doing anything. Um, Did you sweat in your sleep? I guess. I don't know. But it's maddening because <laughs> now I have to take two showers a day, which is really quite Ooh, frustrating. you are stinky. Um, but what – oh, that's what I was going to say. Then uh, Carol O'Connor is like, oh, I mean – Yes, but then, of course, they also do these other things that make them even more smelly. They drink coffee and smoke cigarettes, um, which is true. Those, Those things... Are smelly things. They are smelly <laughs> things. Um, and it, like... And I, it, I was reminded because uh, I don't smoke cigarettes. I never have. I know you haven't either. And... Um, but they are smelly. They are smelly. And then the thing I do know from the olden days, and not even that olden, um, coffee and cigarettes used to be such a combo. Like, people loved that combination oh, yeah. of items. And yeah. based on, like, I do love coffee. I don't know why. I do love coffee, but as soon as you finish drinking it, your mouth tastes bad. So That is true. I mean, I'm sitting here drinking coffee right now, and I was thinking, like, my breath is probably rancid at the moment yeah. because it's just like leftover coffee taste smell. Right. And so I can imagine if you add cigarettes to that, it's like Ugh. probably Ugh. real bad, real bad. Um, and then cigarettes also like permeate your whole, like right. your whole entire right. body smell. So I did think in that moment, I was like, if – Aliens came now, would they say, like, we're noticeably less stinky because less of us smoke? That would be nice. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're still stinky. I, I think there's other things we do that I are think, still stinky. But. I think you're right. But I like to imagine that if they came back, they'd be like, oh, you guys have at least slightly improved. Good for you. You guys like, have upped your game a little bit. <laughs> um, so then 
Demos very obligingly show like shares some coffee and cigarettes with Phobos so he can like <laughs> get the vibe of what's going on. And he seems like pleasantly surprised. He's not convinced, but he's like, oh, this is okay. Then they call up um like I forget what they were calling it, if it's some kind of like Martian central control. Mm-hmm. And central control messages back with the particular coordinates for when and where the murder will be taking place. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I also noticed in this that, and they don't say any reason for it, but I think we're meant to like infer that this is to do with their alienness. Both Phobos and Deimos are always wearing gloves all throughout this entire episode. Oh, you know, I never noticed that. Yeah, they're always wearing gloves like Hmm. inside... Um, Maybe the hands are harder to, like, get a human skin suit on. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Um, Or, well, I was, like, thinking, because they don't even address, like, why do these so-called Martians look exactly like people? They definitely don't say that. Yeah, they don't. Um, But I wondered if it was because if, like, if we stink so bad, maybe they also think it's really dirty, so they don't want to touch anything. Hmm. So gloves it is. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, now, in terms of the murder, they're in luck because it is uh, predicted to be at a hotel down the street occurring in seven minutes. Um, Good timing. Yeah, so they arrive in the hotel lobby. And again, I mean, this is identified as a comedy episode. And I'm like, I mean, there were some funny bits. <laughs> I don't know that I would call it like laugh out loud hilarious but one of the things i do think no it wasn't overly like uproarious it was literally like again these little tiny quips about humans like yeah that were the funniest although i did what i was about to say what i did also find funny so these guys come into a hotel room and the machine that they've got does appear like it's in what appears to be a suitcase but then they just walk behind some plants and they're like now we're hiding (laughs) we're hidden no all one right. can see us. No <laughs> one's paying attention to whatever we're doing. And then they like set up all their equipment, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> um, well, I feel like the hiding in bushes thing is something that happens a lot. I mean, I, this is an older show, but I feel like it it is something that happens a lot in TV and movies where people are hiding in bushes for some yes. reason a whole heck of a lot of the time. And you know, I don't know about you. My life must be boring because I've never once hidden in a bush. I've never. I've never once seen someone hide. I've never hidden in a bush. I remember that. You've um, fallen in a bush? No. I've actively decided to go into a bush in the sense that like, so our grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds weird. And maybe this is hiding in a bush, but I don't feel that it is because So at Grandma Irene's house, long, long ago, like the original house in Lincoln, not any of the condos, she used to have, I always get azaleas and rhododendrons mixed up, but she had a series of bushes of those, like all kind of like in a circle. So from the outside, it just looked like one giant big bush. Yeah. But if you wriggled through as a child might... What you found inside was that it was actually like a little circle of bushes that created oh, kind of a, 
Yeah, like a little dome that you could be For, inside. Yeah. And I guess I was hiding, but I... I'm not talking about kids, like, having, like, I wasn't hide-and-go-seek or... If I was hiding, I don't... See, that's the thing. You were playing a game. You are playing some type of make-believe game. Yeah, and I was a kid who liked a space where it was, like, the only... Only one person can be in this at any time. (laughs) And so now I'm in it. Okay, well, that... That's not exactly what I'm talking about, though. Like, I'm not talking... I'm talking more about, like, what I picture it in TV and movies, it's full adults, like, hiding in right. bushes for, like, either nefarious reasons or, like, goofy reasons. Right. Or, like, or, like spying even, on somebody. And it's, like, and it's, like, patently ridiculous because, like, the bush is not... Yeah. ...commensurate to the size Even of the very big. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, like, in, and in this one, like, this, like, hotel plant, like... They've got like a few little leaves around. It barely them, like, covers them. They're up. fully, they're fully, fully visible, noticeable. Yeah, and yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess what they might also say because, like, later on, as they're manipulating time, they're coming out and interacting with people, and Phobos keeps saying they can't see us, like they won't see us. So I don't know if just once they start using the machine, technically. They're in a, like, different time stream from everyone else, and mm. so then that's why no one can see. Mm, maybe. But it does seem weird because they literally just post up behind these little leaves and are like, okay, we're all set. <laughs> um, they start scanning the hotel lobby, and they realize that at this moment, the victim of the murder has yet to appear, but they will be coming out of the elevator doors shortly. Um. And we, what we find is we're introduced to Carla, who is sitting on a couch in the lobby. Um, and I found it weird. She kept opening and closing her purse, like, in this weird way. But I guess maybe the point is she's nervous and the gun is in her purse, so maybe that's why yeah. she's doing it. Some um, of those old-timey purses are really fun to open and close, too. Well, yes, it was, like it was the perfect one where it, like, opened and there was a latch. I'm like, open, latch, open, yeah. latch. That like, is very satisfying yeah. to open and close those. Um, but that didn't seem to be what she was doing in <laughs> no, quite the same way. No, more of a nervous tip. Um, mm-hmm. So the countdown begins. We watch as there's, like, counting down to this moment of uh, murder. Birder, uh, not Birder, Bert... Um, <laughs> emerges from the elevator. Carla sees him, calls him like a dirty rat or, you know, the usual stuff that you say about a cheating man. Because uh, that's her whole thing. In they, the 60s. They scan her thoughts and she's mostly angry because she's convinced that he's cheating on her. Which, she's right. She's 100% correct. Yeah, she is right. And I do think in the context of many of the murder shows that I watch currently, that probably is up there with, like, the top reason people um, 100%. are murdering people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I feel like that jives with what actual life seems to be as well quite a lot of the time. Um, so she kind yeah, of... well... We're not going to talk about any kind of family annihilator situation right now, okay? We already no, talked no, no, about talk- it. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm talking about murder shows. I'm talking about, like, Dateline murder shows. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, so real-life ones. No, yeah. no, no. I'm not, I wasn't going to get into it. I'm just saying, like, that is, I think, what the number one yeah, usually reason is. Yeah. Um, so she basically 
barely says anything, shoots Bert dead. He falls down in the lobby. And Phobos is like, wait, wait, that was it? And Carol O'Connor is like, yeah, like, what did you expect? And he's like, I need to see that again. So this is where basically for the rest of the show, we're seeing a variety of different manipulations of the, the images that we're seeing. First, we just get a replay. Then... Mm -hmm. Uh, Phobos doesn't understand the replay, so he runs the tape backwards, basically, um, and we get to see that, and that's very, um, I don't know, like, I'm not good at this, but, like, some people can do those things of, like, oh, this is what a, a house, this would sound backwards, so it's a lot of, like, and, like, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Are um, people good at that? Some people do seem to have a much better ability to make it sound convincing i'm not sure that they actually are doing yeah. it in reverse but it sounds convincing um yeah turning it backwards still doesn't help phobos understand so then we get a nice slow-mo recap <laughs> of the incident um as things are moving in this slower version, this is first when Phobos starts to interact with them. In a sense, he starts like kind of physically really looking at both Carla and Bert closely in the hopes that that is somehow going to like illuminate something for him. Uh, mm -hmm. This is when I did like the gag. I, I suppose this might've been also something that you liked where because Carla's purse is opening and closing, he pulls the gun out and he looks at that for a while and he's like, I don't, this doesn't tell me anything. And then he pulls out a dollar bill <laughs> and he's asking questions about like, what is this image on this oh, dollar bill? Like, what's this? Yeah. And Carol O'Connor is like counting down. Like if, if you stay sitting next to her, you're going to end up disrupting the timeline. Like you need to finish. He's like, oh, I've got plenty of time. So he's looking right up to the very moment um, at items in Carla's purse. Um, this is when he also notices that Bert has a lipstick stain on his collar, um, which uh, Carol O'Connor explains was not put there on purpose. Um, mm -mm. But nonetheless, Phobos is still unable to understand why Carla shoots and kills Bert. So he says, I need to slow things down even further. Um, <laughs> this is when we get our one of two commercial breaks. And when we return to the hotel lobby, they've... Oh, P.S., by the way, I watched this on a thing that had actual commercial breaks. Oh, really? I mean, it was, yeah, because I watched it on, like, Pluto, which is a free oh, sure. app. Okay. So it's, like, so it has ads. Okay. So the, did they have the commercial break in the normal spot where it was supposed to be? Or was it just in some random other spot? No, it was in random other spots. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so when we return from commercial break, we're back in the hotel lobby. Now Phobos has slowed things down to such a degree that basically it looked like both Bert and Carla, like those actors were just standing there frozen while the others... Like, we're doing yeah. various exams and things. Like, mm -hmm. they're scanning their psyches. Um, Carol O'Connor seems to be doing some sort of, like, chemical analysis of something. Um, and 
Unfortunately for Phobos, nothing is seeming to be particularly helpful. So he's like, okay, so nothing yeah. down here is helping me. We need to follow Bert up in the elevator. Maybe that will provide the information that I want. So that's what they do. When we go upstairs, what do we find? But Bert is kissing some lady. Um, what a fucking moron. He's just about to get murdered and he's kissing He doesn't know else. yet. That's the whole thing is he has not <laughs> encountered that time yet. So he's having a great time kissing someone who is identified as Arlene Schnabel. Um, wow, that is a name it, and a half. It is a weird one. Um... Do you remember how Phobos reacts to kissing? Um, I feel like kissing is a thing that is touched on on in many a TV show or movie where someone is supposed to be an alien or supposed to be not of human nature. I don't know. I guess that would all be aliens. But um, I can't remember his exact um, his exact reaction, but it is confusing as like, I think I understand why that would be confusing. Like what is this weird mouth crushing together activity? Yeah. Um, and Demos, Carol O'Connor is like, it's a thing they like to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is weird. It's very weird. I will not like, I will not disagree. It's a yeah. weird phenomenon. Yeah, it is. And even they make a joke about this in The Good Place. Michael is like, you smash your mouth what, together. That's, that's not what that's yes. for. Like, um, Oh, yes. I think that is what I've heard it in. I think it's him. In, uh, yeah. 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 So, and what's interesting is Carol O'Connor repeatedly says it's harmless. It's just a thing they like to do. But clearly, <laughs> it isn't harmless because this is why... Bert is killed. I have a slight suspicion that he's done more than kissing. With well, this, yes. Arlene Schnabel. Of course. That's the implication. But it's the right. 60s, so we can't say or show anything that would confirm or deny that. But that is clearly, yeah. like, what is going on. Um, so, nonetheless... Phobos is still basically baffled. He's like, none of these, like, actions seem to have any connection whatsoever. So mm-hmm. in the elevator down, he decides that he is going to now, against what he was told to do, interfere with the experiment. Um, and specifically, he says, I'm going to divert the sequence. Um, which means he is now going to be a part of the experiment. So really now the experiment isn't an experiment anymore. Like anyone who knows <laughs> about science will tell you this no longer qualifies. Once you, once you interfere, that no longer qualifies and is, yeah. as an experiment. Your, whatever data you generate is bad data now, basically. Oh, interesting. I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And particular. well, it depends Makes on, sense. The, it depends on the experiment you're running, but like, um, yeah, if you insert yourself into the outcome, the data that comes out of that is technically no longer Effective. viable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we return, we come back down in the elevator. We return to the hotel lobby. The scene plays out again in an extremely slow motion. And I was finding this as well. And I wish like the, 
the internet did not provide me answers to this. I was kind of impressed at all of these manipulations of like the film. And I was like, is this, was this hard to do? I was too, actually. Was this easy to do? Yeah. Because especially also every time Phobos fusses with it and he's like, I'm going to make it fast. I'm going to make it slow. I'm going to make it run backwards. I'm going to make it do this. There's also like these weird little effects where like weird lights would like ping through and then we would see a switch between Mm. like normal film and negative film where like the black and white would be switched. And I was just like, was this easy for them to do back then? Or was this actually quite like... I bet you that was considered pretty good effects. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell, unfortunately. And the internet did not help me deduce that. Um, (laughs) Nonetheless, they were turned downstairs. And the way Phobos diverts the sequence is basically by when Carla shoots the bullet, he disrupts its path so that it goes into the wall. And we kind of see everyone... Then the scene kind of picks back up and everyone's quite confused because basically everyone was like, she's that bad of a shot? (laughs) (laughs) How could she have missed? Um, When that happens, however, um, Bert is like, oh, sweetie, like, don't be mad at me. I had to be sure that our love was like the best one. So that's why... I was cheating with this woman. Okay, 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 okay. I like can't even listen to the rest of that because, like, I understand it's the '60s, but like, okay, what? I'm just curious. I have a very visceral reaction to that. Clearly, um, line. <laughs> what do you think? What is your response to that? What would you say if someone said that's my reason for cheating? Hmm. I think. Here's what I would say. A reason I would believe more readily than that would be someone saying, things were getting serious with us. I kind of freaked out. And so I cheated because I wanted to sabotage myself and us. And I would say, okay, okay. Okay. Well, that's more realistic. That I mean, that's more believable. Yeah. I wouldn't really... It's more honest, I guess. Yes. I wouldn't really believe at all, in fact, the idea that, like, I needed to be sure that I really liked you, and so the way that I did that was by cheating on you. Like, that I really would have a hard time accepting as a thing. Now... Yeah, because here's, like, my initial gut reaction is to, like, just say horse shit. Because, <laughs> like, that is, it's almost, like, insulting. Because yes. how dare you say you you were having doubts or whatever. So for you to be sure, you had to make a conscious decision. I guess the other part is like this conscious decision part of it that makes me mad. Because sure. yeah. even though I know that like I went out there kind and of a found, conscious decision. Yeah, like I went out yes. there and found somebody. Yeah. I went I went searching for this because of you, basically. <laughs> and it's and it's and it is a weird blaming of no, and it's it's there. It's like there's a gaslighty part of that. There's like then also a weird love bombing kind of like aspect of it. Everything about that would make my blood boil if someone said that to me. Even like 
not even like the cheating itself wouldn't even make me as mad as that justification. Yeah, I think that's right. Like I think uh, cheating probably for many people is something that you can recover from as a couple, um, depending on the circumstances and, you know, personalities involved or whatever. Um, Right. But yes, I think what is... But the reaction to it, I think, is a big part of it. I will say, like... Like, I think I feel like for me, if someone was like, oh, no, either lying, denying it, or um, acting kind of uh, defiant in that choice as, like, oh, no, I had a great reason for it. So, like, you can't even be mad. Yeah. I mean... Sort of. Yeah. I... I similarly did, I don't know if I actually said out loud the phrase, oh, please, like, but (laughs) I definitely had that reaction when I heard that as, like, the quote-unquote reason that this happened. Um, It's a big oh, please moment. Because I was just like, I just don't believe that. Like, I just don't believe it. And No, it's utter horseshit. And especially because um, I can't remember Did when. Did he tell the other girl that he loved her? I thought he I said that to God, her. God, I can't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. But what I do remember is at, earlier when they're like scanning their minds to try and find information, they do find that his mind is full of women's names. And so. Right. It's, oh, he's a piece of shit. Well, the thing is, is like, that doesn't necessarily mean he's cheating on her with like all of the names of the women. He could just be a womanizer type or like someone who plays the field Sure, a lot. but still a piece of shit. Um, sure. But again, like, if you're playing the field a lot, that's totally fine. But then you have but to then be... don't get married. Yeah, be honest with people about yes. what's going on. Or whatever, you know. Um, I'm starting to think that uh, he fully deserved to get killed. <laughs> well, and he, and this, I think, actually does set us up for a question that I was go- I'm going to ask about what is revealed. So um, he, and then again, so like, like attracts like. Because he says this bullshit thing about why he needed to cheat, it, cheat on her. And then he proposes to her... She says yes, and then they kiss. Uh, so, like, and also she's she's followed a man who she thinks is cheating on him with a gun with a purpose to kill him. So these are not sa- stable people. These are not Their ideal. relationship is doomed, but it's, their relationship is fully doomed, but it's the 60s, so they probably won't get divorced, so she'll probably just end up killing him later. <laughs> well, we find out what is supposedly going to happen later, potentially, because then there's another um, commercial break, And we come back to the hotel lobby. And again, because Phobos and Deimos don't actually seem to understand human emotions. They are quite pleased at this proposal thing. They think this is like very like Mm -hmm. lovey-dovey and nice. Mm -hmm. But then they get a message from Central Control and it says, you've messed with the timeline and you've created what is being called a fatal error. Um, and the reason it's a fatal error is because now these two are going to have a son. The son will become a dictator. As dictator, he is going to launch a nuclear attack that is going to kind of basically make the entire world 
the planet of Earth so fucked up that it's going to have cataclysmic effects on the remainder of the galaxy. God. Idiots. <laughs> so, again, like I was just saying, a woman whose reaction to, I think, I don't know, I think this man I'm seeing is cheating on me, I'm going to get a gun and kill him without a word. And the man who is cheating on her, but then who says, I cheated on you because I needed to be sure that this was real. Like, so these people are sociopaths, obviously. Yeah, so them getting together is a bad idea. Yeah, so I'm like, I totally see how they created a son who was terrible. Like, that's not a hard thing to see as an outcome here. Unfortunately, like, Demos and Phobos don't want to have to let Carla kill Bill, Bert, I mean. So they come up with a different plan because they have to, basically, Bert has to be shot. That's the wording that Central Control says, is like, you he has to be shot. And so then they're like, Oh, he just has to be shot. He doesn't necessarily have to die. And so that is what Phobos arranges. He's doing some measuring. His stuff is, again, in slow motion. The mm-hmm. time squeezer at this point is starting to smoke. Um, it's really been overworked. So this they have one shot to kind of get this right, quote-unquote. So... Phobos manages to divert the bullet in such a way that it kind of nicks Bert, so he's technically shot, but he's not dead. They let time play again. Carla and Bert again make up just in the same way as before and now seem to be headed on to the future of a terrible marriage with each other. Um, Yeah. But... Uh, Phobos and Demos are quite happy. They send a message saying, we've now determined that there's seemingly no reason for murder. It is an irrational act, um, which I guess probably it is at the end of the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and while we can't say that the Earth has had a happy ending and we can't necessarily say that Carla and Bert have had a happy ending, Phobos and Demos have a very happy ending where they're smoking cigarettes and are like, <laughs> Phobos is like, I'm going to hang out on Earth now with you. And they're like, cool, man. Yeah. Um, and then we have the final... I'm not really quite sure how he got to that It was a very quick thing that happened in this. Yeah, it was a very but. quick change of heart. Um... And yeah, I don't, like, if I were in his position and I came with a dim view of humanity, I don't know that watching this scene and then saw this. over and over again ch- would change my mind No, I don't think it would. But then we have the final exiting VO, which, would you like to read that? Sure. Um, who knows? Perhaps the alteration of one small event may someday bring about the end of the world. Yikes, oh. But that someday is a long way off. And until then, there's the good life to be lived to the, uh, lived in the here and now. So don't worry well, about yeah. <laughs> don't worry about the nuclear disaster that the time has yeah. like the clock has started ticking on that already by virtue of this thing, because that's what the Martian central control told us. Don't worry about that. Yeah. For the next 40 years, no. everything will be fine. Live it up. <laughs> 
Live in. And if oh. that doesn't explain why boomers are the way they are, I don't know what does. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, you'll be dead by the time this is a real problem. Exactly. Who cares about these fuckers <laughs> coming behind us? <laughs> We're so, gone. That is Controlled Experiment, um, one of the, I guess, most iconic episodes of The Outer Limits. Um, so in terms mm. of yawns and eye rolls, one yawn is I was completely engaged by this, um, and 10 yawns is I was absolutely disengaged from this. What would you give it? Um, I think I would say probably like a two. There's always, you know, it's a little bit uh, 60s pacing-wise. I sure. need a little bit more like, I think it could have been 45 minutes instead of a full hour. Um, but but good nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, like a two. Yeah, I would even go probably basically one for me. Like there wasn't, I agree with you that the pacing was much more um, sedate. But uh, I don't know that there was... I think it's just a time thing. Yeah, I don't know that I would... I don't know that there's much to cut, per se, from it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is... Yeah, I bought in. I had no real qualms with this. Um, And 10 eye rolls is like, absolutely not. I... This is nonsense. What would you give it? I feel like if you buy into the premise of Martians on Earth in human skin suits, if you like buy into that that part of it, that's an important jive. part. <laughs> I feel like if you can buy into that, like the rest of it's like, yeah, sure. Um, that part, I mean, and it's actually like fully glossed over. And actually, we should buy into that because I just realized that's also a thing from Men in Black. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fully glossed over, and it's something that's in lots of stuff and lots of science fiction stuff. So I guess, like, in the realm <laughs> of this world, yeah, there's nothing uh, that, I, that I don't buy into. So, yeah, again, I would say probably, like, two. Yeah, I, I that's convincing for me as well. I guess I'll just go um, one. Um, so anyway, it sounds like I know the answer to this, but of course, did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah, I did. And I think that I would. Um, it's definitely the style that I prefer. It feels more like mystery. The science fiction nature of it is a little bit more tertiary. So it's not like in your face, mm-hmm. gray ships and, you know, annoying. <laughs> Although we did like, have a shot alien. of a gray ship to start this up. I know, and but. thankfully that was it, just one <laughs> shot and we're done. Um, but, you know, it's not a lot of, like, space emergencies. That's a crap that I can't handle. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I liked it. I think I would recommend it. I think it's a fun one. Um, it is free on Pluto in the U.S., yeah so yeah no I liked and would recommend this as well I don't I feel like we've hit a real snag of like napping items when it comes to tv shows (laughs) lately but I would call it that a bit as well um sure but I guess more maybe more accurately I would call this like if you want to just have a pleasant 50 minutes and be it's entertained. An, it goes down pretty easy. Yeah. That's yeah. 
And so you don't, I don't necessarily maybe think this would put you to sleep. You could do it. You could do it to anything. Oh, yeah. But like. I can literally do it to like guns a blazing. I know. I actually sometimes but. actively <laughs> choose. I sometimes actively choose like a superhero movie because I'm like, this won't engage me. I'll be asleep to this soon. Like. Um, wow. But yeah, so this one, I guess I would categorize as slightly above napping show because I think it's like interesting <laughs> enough to, you know, yeah. like, like, I but just it is also like watch. could work for that. It could, but I'm like, this is something I want to watch and it's not yeah. gonna like demand anything of me. I can just enjoy yes. a bit of time yes. spent in this world, whatever it is might be yes and I do have to say that as well in addition to that I always kind of appreciate an anthology series where it's like each episode Mm. is its own self-contained thing yes me too so that I like that too is in its favor so yeah go out and seek out the outer limits it. it sounds like it's fairly accessible I found this without too much fussing in Australia um, yeah. and we may examine the Outer Limits reboot series at some point down the track. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.